You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. You can say, you see the prayer working in your life, prayer working in your life, hallelujah. Um, one time somebody said, you know, I prayed for this person and they were healed. And I said, yeah, prayer works. It really does work. How many enjoyed this series on prayer? We're going to go ahead and try to finish up this morning. My, my desire was, first, before we even do that, let's give the worship team a round of applause. They're getting so good every week. It's better, right? You know what that means now? Once, you know, there's only so, they could get so good. And then they've got to their peak of how good they can get. And the only way they can get better is if another person joins. <laughs> that means that we're going to be calling out some people. Now, now we believe in letting people serve at what they're good at in this ministry. Praise God. So if you're not good at singing, you might, you're good at something else. Amen. <laughs> we want good singers because God has graced them to be good. Someone says, you mean if I sing bad, I can't be in the choir? We, no, we don't want you. You're probably better at something else. Let's just say that. <laughs> you sing in the shower and minister to God. Amen. What's our memory work we've had for six weeks now? You've had six weeks to memorize three words in order. Thank you, Beth. Never stop praying. And I say it every week. If you're in the valley or on the mountaintop, you should be praying to the Lord. There should be something that you have to tell the Lord. I feel God's peace here this morning. Do you feel the peace of God? I just feel His presence. I know He's with us. He's here in our midst. We just can rejoice. Let's give God. Let's, 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 he's here. Let's let Him know He's welcome. Come on, clap this morning. Say, you're welcome, Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, thanks for being here. All right, and he's going to go with you. He's, gonna, he's not just here. When you leave, he's going to go with you. So that means that when you get in your car, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people get in fights after church. A lot of married couples, they get into arguments after church. Right when they leave, they start fighting. And, and you know why that is? I used to think all this time it was the devil. And it might be the devil. But most of the time, people leave in church and they're hungry. So you know what you need to do? Keep yourself a few granola bars in the dashboard, okay? Or if you're like me, some, some orange cupcakes or something like that. And then if you eat that and you're still fighting, well, then it's the devil. Praise God. <laughs> okay. If you have your Bible, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. I want to talk this morning. I want to talk to the believers here this morning. And I, I really, I had some other things on prayer. If we don't finish on prayer this week, I will finish when I get back from Brazil and then we'll go into healing. But the Lord specifically placed on my heart this morning to teach on how to pray for the lost. How to pray for the lost. And before we see how to pray for the lost, we need to learn something about the lost. Amen. Do you ever see lost people? Did you see any people that were lost this week? Maybe at Kroger's or Farmer Jack. Well, you know, there's no more Farmer Jack, but there used to be. Or at your job. You see people that are lost. I was with people last night who were lost. And if you decide to pray for people that way, the, very, the, the Bible is very clear how to do that. 
let's go Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 it says here and you were someone say were all right you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked how many can remember your BC days before Christ let me see your hands now we can remember those we shouldn't think about those every day but every once in a while you have a flashback <laughs> you have a flashback to what it was like before you were saved now I got saved at 12 years old but I'm gonna tell you something 11 10 9 I had a potty mouth I know it's hard for you to think about Pastor Palmer but on, on the streets I mean in, in the neighborhoods I was the kid that was always swearing and telling the kids don't tell my parents right and then the Lord took that from me and I think about what I had at 12 and where I would have been today without Jesus amen my personality is such when I do something that I enjoy or find something that interests me I go all out with it that means that I remember when I got into fishing at in 11th grade I stopped studying math I got my first C in calculus pre-calculus class because all I would do was bring fishing magazines to class and read them I got obsessed with stuff I am that way today if I find something interesting I go to the library and check out a whole bunch of books on that is anybody else that way I'm the only person that's fascinated oh wow well uh, we'll, we'll get more people here and soon we'll, I won't be numbered out the way I usually am amen well in dead in trespasses and sins now when you're before you're saved look what the Bible says you're following the course of this world now look at the course of this world that means the pattern of the things that people normally do do you know that you study the world today nothing is in and of itself original everything has a pattern to it and I know we believe that some of the things that you hear today that you now have subscribed to are original but let me tell you this it's only new to you it's not new to the world this is what happens when young people go away to college when I went away to college I got so excited like this is the truth as if no one had ever thought about this before but it has already been thought about and had been thought about 10 millennia ago amen because the world is in a pattern and if you want to know where that pattern comes from unless you have Jesus it says following the prince of the power of the air that means if you're gonna believe the Bible you must believe in the supernatural because the Bible is very clear that the natural is controlled by things that are unseen to you I'm preaching this morning and you're not saying amen shame on the devil amen following the prince of the power of the air now here we go he's gonna take it even further the spirit that is now at work in the children of disobedience that means people today that are disobedient how do I know they're disobedient pastor because they are following the pattern of the world the reason why they are following that pattern is because there is a spirit at work in their life but guess what that doesn't make well, I'll get to it in a second I don't want to get ahead of myself I'll, yeah, I'll hold that thought let me finish this verse among whom we all once lived 
How does a sinner live? In the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Let me read Ephesians 4.18 quickly. They are darkened in their understanding. Notice what it says about unbelievers. Darkened. They, they, they don't understand the way you understand. How many have ever talked to... How many have ever had an experience with the Lord? Raise your hand. I mean, God's power, His presence comes into your life. It brings joy. It brings peace. And what, what's the first thing that you want? You want others to have what you have, right? I read a good book just recently. Just recently. Just, I mean, just the last week. And I liked it so much, I gave it to somebody else. I said, you got to have this book. you got to have it. I just want to find someone to give it to. And I had to find someone that was interested. Because when I find something I like, I want other people to like it too. Are you like that? You go to McDonald's and you try the new shake they got there. And you take one sip and you have to stop. Right even before you pull out of McDonald's and text friend, girl, this make your shake was so good. You should try it yourself, right? Are you like that? You go, no, you Facebook about it. I know, you, you, you go on Facebook and you look it up and it has its own page and you like it. Amen. Yeah, and it says here, they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due, due to the hardness of their heart. So the reason they don't like Jesus the way you like Jesus is because, oh, here we go. They haven't experienced Jesus the way you haven't ex you've experienced Jesus. And the, way they, the reason they haven't experienced Jesus the way you've experienced Jesus is because they are blind. So now we're going to diagnose the problem. It says here in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus, who is in the image of God, shine in their heart. So... We have seen the problem with unbelieving mankind, no matter who they are, if they're in false religion, or if they have no religion, the problem is a spirit has blinded their minds. And in knowing that, I'll make this statement this morning, praying for the lost then becomes more than just begging God for them to be saved. Praying for the lost means using your authority as a believer in the place of prayer to pull people out of darkness. Can I get an amen this morning? Alright. The first step I want to say, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, therefore go. So the first principle understand this morning is as a child of God, you have been given authority and you have been given power in the place of prayer. You will never be successful in your prayer life if you go there misunderstanding the authority that Jesus has shared with you. And I like to say share because he gave it but he shared it because he retains it. Praise God. He shared his authority with you and he told you to pray. So that means number one, if you're taking notes quickly, Number one, understand when you go in the place of prayer that the enemy is the devil and not your loved one. You know it is so easy to lose sight of the fact that when there's somebody that is unsaved, you get angry at them and you get frustrated and you go in there and you pray out of anger as if they're the ones that are the problem. And the Bible has made it very specific and very clear. 
that a person, oh, this is powerful, a person that is not saved is not the enemy. The person that is not saved, the enemy, is the spirit that is masking them and blinding them, and that spirit once blinded you. So do you know what that means then as a result? That means that when you have someone that you're working to bring them into a place of truth, you shouldn't treat them like they're the enemy. That deserves an amen. Yeah. You shouldn't treat unsaved people like they're the devil. That means that when there's someone who's close to you, and this is particularly speaking about the family, you know, family members. Hello? Is this is our heartbeat in this church? Moses, come on, man. I gave you 20 bucks to amen me. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I said, Moses, now listen. We got a quiet congregation. We got a church mouse congregation. Now here's $20. Amen me and get him going. I'm just teasing. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, you're going to have to deal with a lot of family coming up. This is that time of the year. Some of y'all looked at the calendar and said, oh, in one month, here we go. It's Thanksgiving. It's Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Day. It's New Year's Eve. And it's New Year's Day. I got to see my family six times in the next month. But then I won't have to see them again. Amen. <laughs> And then you got a call and found out family's coming in from out of town. And they needed a place to stay. And you said, well, there's a wonderful Holiday Inn down the street. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I don't... No, no. See, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, this is what it says. I'm going to read it to you. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and affliction. That's what we do at this church. Praise God. You ought to see sickness and disease and make you angry. Noah is not part of the will of God. It happens, but there's a day where God is going to put it under his feet forever. It says here, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now watch this. When people don't have a shepherd, when sheep don't have a shepherd, they will be harassed and afflicted and tormented. I was talking to somebody on Friday night. They called me for counsel. And I had a nice little drive ahead of me. And I counseled them. And we talked for 40 minutes. The person they told me about denied God, was an atheist, and he had grown up in a preacher's family. And not only did he deny God, and not only was he an atheist, he also was drug addict, homosexual, and didn't believe in working. Big problems he had in his life. And he also felt he was right about everything. And I said to him, the one thing that you can show to prove that his way of living is wrong is the fruit that is in his life. Because he was also suicidal and checking himself in to mental hospitals. And I told my friend on the phone, who's spiritually minded, I said, look at the reason why he's tormented. It's because he is a sheep without a shepherd. And when you don't have a shepherd, a wolf can just come along any time that it wants and pick off any sheep that looks feeble. So when people don't have a shepherd, they're going to be afflicted.
You look at today people that throw the Bible out, they don't want anything to do with the Word of God, and they start living any way they feel that pleases them. I can tell you this, if you subscribe to the idea of humanism, that you can live any way that you want, you're going to have consequences that the Word of God could have protected you from, no matter how old-fashioned you think the Word of God is. Can I get an amen, somebody? Y'all are so quiet this morning. What is the deal? I got something on my nose as my fly down. Evil spirits afflict and torment unbelievers because they don't have the protection of God. So do you know what that means? When you see that the unsaved is not the problem, but you see that they don't have a, she a shepherd, then what you can do is you have compassion on that person and you start praying and believing God that their heart will return to a shepherd that is calling their name. Can I get an amen? Number two. Number two. You pray against the God of this world. Amen. Pray against the God of this world. Amen. No, no, no. The Bible said, pray against the God of this world. Because it is the enemy who is the devil that is afflicting them. The Bible says that the God of this world hath blinded their minds. Jesus said in Mark chapter 3 and verse number 27, No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man. What you do when you go to prayer is you don't pray against the loved one. You're not going in there and condemning the loved one. You're going in there and you're praying against the affliction in their life. Your responsibility in prayer is to pray off those things in the lives of the person that you love. When you go in there with that kind of mindedness, do you know what starts to happen? God will fill your heart with love for the person that you're praying for. You'll begin to see how much potential they have and how bad the devil is for ruining that potential. You'll begin to see how wonderful they are in the eyes of God and you'll start to see how terrible the devil is for putting that on them and there'll be something inside of you that will want to pull that potential out of that person and that desire will become so strong it will cause you to commit to prayer and when God releases his compassion for that person in your heart they will start to see it in your actions and in the way that you act toward them praise God you know if God fills your heart with love for somebody and you get near that person that person's going to notice how you radiate the love of God towards them and you receive that radiance when you are praying for them in the place of prayer. When you look at them with eyes of compassion, they'll see that in their eyes you see the potential that's inside of them despite the sin that has got them down. Have you ever been with somebody that when they look at you, you notice that they see potential in you? Have you ever had that happen before? You sat down with somebody and they see potential in you. And you can tell because you see it in their eyes. And they're looking at you like, come on, stop being stupid. And start acting the way that God has made you to be. Amen. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, number three, number three. This is powerful. Jesus says in Matthew 9, 38. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. When you go into the place of prayer, ask God to send forth special laborers into the lives of the people that you love. Jesus told you to ask him. Ask him daily before your brother or your sister or your friend go to work or your husband or your wife, the person you're praying for. Say, Lord Jesus, send their way people that will speak your word to them. 
they'll find themselves everywhere they go. They'll walk into Echo Hardware and buy a hammer. And a guy will say, well, do you know that Jesus is the hammer that crushes sickness and disease? Glory to God. They'll go buy a flashlight and someone will say, do you know that Jesus is the light of the world? Why is, all these, why is all these people telling me about Jesus? Because there you are praying for them. They can't get away from that. They'll get on an airplane and someone says next to them, do you know that with Jesus you can ascend to heights higher than 36,000 feet? Amen. Everywhere you go. Someone is meeting them and telling them about Jesus. And the reason is, is because you prayed for it to happen. Praise God. And they'll call you on the phone and say, you know, it's funny that we're talking about God. Because everywhere I went today, someone else was telling me about Jesus. It's not by coincidence. It's because you prayed. Someone say, it's not by coincidence. Come on, say it like you're here. It's not by coincidence. It's not by coincidence. It's because I prayed. It's not by coincidence. It's because I prayed. When someone says, how'd you get that? Because I prayed. How'd that happen to you? Because I prayed. Come on. How'd that happen to you? It's not by coincidence. It's because I prayed. Some of y'all, I better see that on your Facebook today. Hashtag is not by coincidence. Hashtag is because I prayed. Hallelujah. Number four. Pray that the Lord convict that person. The Greek word for convict simply means to call into account, to show one his fault, and to demand an explanation. And let me tell you this quickly. It is not our job as believers to convict people. People love to take that job. You know, if God were to say, I need someone to convict this person, I bet all the believers, I want that job, God. I want, I want that job. Uh, let me do it. Let me go make them feel bad about their sins. Because that's what we think convict means sometimes. It, it, convicting doesn't mean you make the person feel bad about their sins. Convicting, that's not what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost doesn't come along and say, well, now, come on. Now, Caleb, now listen, man. Now, you can't do that, man. You, you can't, you can't, you, you, shame on you, Caleb. Shame on, shame on you. That's not the Holy Ghost. That's the devil. The devil is the instigator that will get you to do it and then condemn you for doing it. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you feel bad for it. Now, I believe in godly sorrow, but you're the one feeling bad for it. That's your own heart. The Holy Spirit is not interested in making people hate themselves. That's the devil. But what the Holy Spirit does is he convicts. And convicting means that he shows you what it is. He calls you into an account for it. Or I like it like this. He makes you realize what you're really doing. Can I get an amen? See, the reason why you stopped your sin is because you realized what it was. Not because the sinner stays in his sin because they haven't realized exactly what it is that they're doing. And that's the Holy Spirit's job to do. So, you have a loved one. Let's say they have a gambling problem. You think they're going to buy bread and they're going down to the bookie. They walk in, they, put, they find out two to one odds on this, they bet it, they lose their money. Losing money. Got gambling problem. You'd be surprised how many people have gambling problem. 
And then one day they're walking because you've been praying for them. And they realize, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep... What, am I, what have I been doing this whole time? What, what, what have I been doing this whole time? They've heard God. Are you here this morning? God, God has spoken to them. Called them into account. And they realized, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do this anymore. And not only that, but what will happen is, look what it says in Revelation 3.2. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains for even what is left almost dead. I find your actions do not meet the requirements of God. When a person realizes what they're doing doesn't meet the requirements of a holy God, they will wake up. Hallelujah. Someone say, my loved one is going to wake up. They'll say, oh my God. God, God is holy. This is unholy. I, I can't keep doing this. And they stop. And the Bible says they have woken up. Amen. Okay. And then number five. Number five. Do we know? Do we remember now? Number one. Realize that your loved one is not the enemy. What was number two? Come on, someone tell me. I just I just preached it. Okay, say it louder. All right, number three. Wow, two of y'all understood. <laughs> number four. Thank you, Shar. And number five, pray the Lord's protection and patience over that person. There is a biblical word it says here. In Romans 2 verse 4, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Forbearance and the patience of God is God's tolerance. God's tolerance. God can tolerate certain things. And when you're praying for somebody, your friend, or whoever it may be, pray and say, God, have toleration for this person. And God will do it. Can I get an amen? Now, go with me in your Bibles to James chapter 5 and verse number 16. Quickly, quickly, quickly. We got a few minutes here. Are you enjoying it today? How many feel revved up? How many feel powerful? How many feel you can go out and tackle the devil? Is Shakira here today? No? Okay, good, good. If you feel like you can tackle the devil, the Detroit Lions may hire you. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. They can use some tacklers. It says in James 5.16, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, I want to say this quickly. It doesn't matter if you're praying for your loved one. It doesn't matter if you're praying for a lost person. No matter what it is, if you're praying for, will always produce the results of prayer. See, I remember I went to the gym one time. One time, keyword, one time. <laughs> I never went back. <laughs> and the guy told me, now listen, do you want to develop a strong core? If you, all you do is focus on your arms, you never get strong in your arms. 
Because if you want to be strong in your arms, you have to work your legs. I said that makes no sense whatsoever. You want to be strong in your arms, but you have to exercise your legs. He said and got into his reasons and his theories for the chemicals and the hormones and whatever. But basically what he was saying is that no matter what I do when I work out, it's going to affect the results of how I'm going to look. So if I work out my legs, you never know. It'll start making me look up stronger according to him. You go work your legs out, you're doing something for your arms. You're going to get results either way. Just go in there and start doing something. There was one person I talked to, got a lot bigger. I said, what's your workout plan? He says, I don't know. I just go just do whatever I feel like doing that day. And he gets results doing it that way. So no matter what you're doing in prayer, if you're praying for a loved one, if you're praying in the Holy Ghost, if you're worshiping God, if you're praying by the Spirit, if you're interceding, if you're just meditating quietly, your prayer life will produce powerful results. If all you did was pray for lost people, you would come out more powerful than when you came in. You'll be that person that walks around with confidence. When you find people that are indecisive, spiritually, that don't pray. When you find people that have a hard time making decisions, they have difficulty praying. So, number one, when you pray for your loved one or whoever it may be, I'll finish with this results. Number one, you will develop in your life short and long-range vision spiritually now let me show you what I mean Isaiah 40 verse 28 to 31 when you pray to the Lord you take on supernatural sight in God how many can say this morning when I start praying to the Lord man I feel God's power when I start praying to God I see things that I never saw before I look at things the way God meant for me to look at things. All doubt is you looking at it the wrong way. I'll say that one more time. When you find areas of doubt in your life, it's because you are looking at it the wrong way. The wrong way is the way that God doesn't want you to look at it. God doesn't see your problem and see doubt. God looks at your problem and sees possibility. So when you pray, it says in Isaiah 40, 31, you'll mount up with wings as eagles. You'll run and not be weary, and you'll walk, and you'll not be faint. Now, leaders are people that can see like an eagle. You know, when you look at the eagle, I've seen eagles before. Eagles are the highest, number one, top bird in all the world. That's why the United States picks the eagle. Wouldn't it be something if our bird was a chicken? What's the national bird of the United States? A rooster. You ever see a rooster on a farm? All it does is wake you up in the morning. And then you cut off its head and eat it. 
That's all it's good for. Nothing virtuous about a rooster. If you think that a turkey is virtuous, look at where it ends up. On your table on Thanksgiving with cranberry sauce and stuffing shoved up it. Amen? That's not what you do with the eagle. It says that eagle's vision is a million times more sensitive than a human being's vision. Eagles, I looked this up, eagles see five colors and human beings only see three basic colors. And that means they see colors you can't see. And not only that, you'll see that they have the ability to see long distances and they can see animals the size of a rabbit up to two miles away. You know how far two miles is from here? It's pretty long distance. You could get from here on a direct line two miles, you'd be close to the 12 Oaks Mall. You just, I mean, it takes you like nine miles to get there because you have to go all over the place, but a straight distance, that's, that's not too far. You can see a bunny rabbit hopping around that way because the eagle has sight. When you are in the spirit, praying to God, worshiping God in the spirit, something starts, something starts taking hold of your life and you start seeing things farther down the road. And if you see things farther down the road, do you know what that means? It's harder for you to get taken by surprise. That simply states that things can't get close to you without you having known about it beforehand. I remember one time, I don't say one time, this one instance in which something happened to me. I was sleeping one night. And the Spirit of God gave me a dream about somebody. I had this dream that a particular person who was what we call in the Christian circles, Jezebel. Amen. This is a person I hadn't talked to in years. Never talked to him. I mean, just long, just long, way back in the school days. There was never anything wrong with our relationship. Never anything bad. Just, it was just friends. And I had this dream that this person had ill intentions towards me. Evil ones. Evil intentions. And I woke up and I thought, intentions to bring me down. And I woke up and I thought, that's odd. I haven't talked to this person in a while. They've always been a good person. You know, I, I don't know why I have a dream like this. Do you want to know something? That same day, they started texting me. Isn't that something? Didn't even know they had still had my number. That same day. They, and, and why is that? Because when you start praying, God gives you a vision. And when you have that vision, you are responsible. And because you have that, you cannot be attacked the way you used to be attacked. Are you with me this morning? This is good preaching this morning. Come on. Thank you, Brother Leroy. Thank you for your amens. I, I really do appreciate it. <laughs> Number two, prayer teaches you how to be resourceful and innovative and not wasteful because fresh ideas will come to you in prayer. Who here can say you had a fresh idea in prayer? Do you know the name Light of Today came in prayer? I was praying. After I got a haircut, I came home and prayed. Didn't even wash my hair. You know when you get a guy gets a haircut, you get hair all over your collar. You, you know what I'm talking about? 
you know, you're supposed to wash your hair, Caleb, right? You get it all over your collar, you get it all over, and you're supposed to wash, you know, you can all, I, I was going to wear a shirt the other day, and I couldn't wear it because there was hair on it from a haircut. <laughs> I was in that mode when I came and started praying. Hair all over my hand. God gave me light of today. I said, nah, surely someone has that name. No churches at all in the country named light of today. It's hard to find that in a church in the United States full of 20,000 churches. No light of today. I've seen a lot of light of the world. I've seen a lot of uh, to, you know, uh, light of something. But this is light of today. Hallelujah. Prayer. God will give you some. How many can say I had an idea come to me in prayer, Pastor? Okay, look what it says here. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Talking about David. Picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistines. David is walking to fight a giant. Getting close to this giant. Has no weapons. The only thing he can depend. See, people think that David killed Goliath with five stones. No. David killed Goliath with an idea from God. You believe that you're going to accomplish what God has called you to do with what the world tells you to do. And God says, all you need is an idea from me. And guess what? Do you notice David didn't have to go far looking for those things. David didn't have to say, well, I need to go all the way down to Lebanon and find the cedars of Lebanon and build me a bow and arrow because that's the strongest wood. You're putting too much into it. You're wasting too much stuff by trying to be up to date with everything. Just do what God tells you to do and normally when God tells you to do something, you find you already have the resources at your disposal. When I start the church here, I don't need to go out there and beg people to come do stuff for us. Because you know what? When we start our church, we start our Bible study, we had all the potential we need to become a church. Hello, somebody. The potential's in Caleb. The potential's in our singers. The potential's in our people that serve and do this stuff. And we have so much potential as a church right now in all of us. Had we gone out there and tried to beg singers to come play for us, we would never discover the potential we have in our singers right now. And they do a phenomenal job. Praise God. We have people singing professionally, but not sincerely. Amen. God calls you to preach. Doesn't mean all of a sudden right away that you can't preach. You have potential in you. Start doing what God tells you to do. God tells you to go street witness and share the love of God with somebody. You have to go do Romans Road class. Just go tell them and God will use you because everything that you need to be a success is inside of you right now. You have five smooth stones inside of you that can take down a giant. And the way you discover that is when you get before God and start praying. There's ideas that are in the back of your mind that the moment you begin to pray in the Spirit, the Holy Ghost goes in the back of your mind, puts His hand down there, and pulls those minds right to the top. Yesterday, I was talking to someone at dinner, and they were a neuroscience PhD student from Caltech. He asked me what I did. I said, I'm a pastor. <laughs> yeah, and he was telling me about the memory. How we don't remember things. How he literally said, your mind is coded. 
We cannot crack the code to understand the brain. It's a very difficult thing to understand. I asked some questions, well, we're trying to figure it out. And I thought to myself, it's interesting. Isn't it ironic? You're trying to study the brain using the brain. I'm using my brain to figure out how I'm using my brain. <laughs> but I believe that when you start praying and you start going to God, some of those things in your memory, they're not going to be uncoded until God goes in there and starts showing you how to use your brain. Is it possible that God has coded it this way so you can't figure it out without Him? He asked me, how are you so astute? You know, I, I should have known. I, we, we, there's no way we could have had this conversation. But when David said, I meditate the Word of God, I'm smarter than all of my teachers. You have somebody that can pray and a wisdom will come on your life. You won't fall back when you meet people that have a higher degree than you. You can stand right with that person and you have the wisdom of God that is on your life. They say, where have you been? I've been in the courts of the Lord praying and God has shown me mysteries and all your research. I thank God for it. It's going to help a lot of people, but it's only going to prove that there's a creator that created us. And I know the creator. Let me tell you about him. And you know, I love the study of science and autonomy biology because all science is the study of creation you're really just studying who put it there so you can you can study parts of it but you're studying creation amen hallelujah okay write this down if you're taking notes prayer makes you indispensable amen that means that when you're praying to god you have a relationship with the Lord. Brother Caleb, can I have you play? You have a relationship with the Lord. People are not going to want to throw you away. You'll be the last person they want to get rid of. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 41. One night the chief baker and I each had a dream. And each dream had its own meaning. And it says, there was a Hebrew man with us in prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he had predicted. I was restored to my position as cupbearer and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. Then Pharaoh sent for this Hebrew man, Joseph, at once. And he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means but I have heard you hear about and can interpret dreams and Joseph said it's beyond my power to do this but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease the point is is that today not many people are hearing from the Spirit of God they may be hearing from other sources but far and few between today do people hear from Jehovah at your job you might be the only one hearing from Jehovah. In your workplace, you might be the only one hearing from the Lord. But when you pray to the Lord, people will know that you're here and they'll come looking for you. You ever notice that when bad things happen, people go looking for the ones that hear from Jehovah. That means that when you develop an ear 
to hear the Spirit of God, the quality of your stock goes up. Your job should be blessed that you're there. Because if anybody in that job has a problem, they come looking for you. You're the way out. You have the answer. You can show you have the answer to their problem. So walk in love with those people. Be patient. And finally, and finally, last but not least, prayer. This is perhaps one of the biggest issues that we have today in the United States amongst the young people is an identity problem. Young people are searching to discover themselves. How many of you remember when you were young, it was hard to find yourself. You didn't know who you were really. You Here you are, coming into a teenager and then now 20. And you know, some people, you ever meet people that are, are, are 30 and 40 and 50 years old and they act like they're 15? You ever meet those people? It's sad. They act like kids. They haven't discovered themselves. And not only that, you also find people that haven't discovered themselves when they do everything other people do as soon as those people do those things. All the girls getting their hair cut short, they cut their hair short. All the girls getting tattoos, they got tattoos on. You know, guys, they find out all the guys are, are getting, are dressed in a certain way. They're cutting their sleeves off, going to cut my sleeves off. Shopping at this store, going to, and they don't know who they are. Because of that, when they don't know who they are, they don't have an identity, and they don't have an identity, they mask their potential. And they don't succeed because God did not, God did not, God did not make you to succeed being somebody else. God created and wired and designed you to succeed being who you are. You do a better job being you than being somebody else. Now, it says in Acts chapter 13 and verse 9, Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Now, this is interesting because Paul was a man given to prayer. And the Bible says here, Saul, also known as Paul. You know, we know Saul went to Paul. But we never know why Saul became Paul. Can any, do we ever stop and say, why did he become Paul? Well, he dropped the S because he liked the P better. He just said, you know, I'm just going to take the S off because I, I never liked this S. And my mom, you know, she, she, I don't know, I just want, I've always wanted to be Paul, you know. Paul had an encounter with God. And when he changed his name, you'll find out that, number one, it was to signify, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. His identity in the Lord had changed the moment his eyes opened and he saw Jesus and became a new creation. But not only that, he may have changed his name, but why didn't he change his name to Steve? Or Bill? Or Tom? Why Paul? Well, number one, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Saul was a Jewish name and the Roman name that corresponded to the Jewish name of Saul was Paul. He found his purpose in prayer. He heard God say, you know Paul, I'm going to send Peter to the Jews but I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. And Paul said, well then I need a Gentile name. 
So I'm going to take the S off and I'm going to be Paul. And when I go around Jewish people, they'll call me Saul. When I go around Roman people, they'll call me Paul. And when I'm around them both, it'll all sound the same. But he's walking in purpose. Why are you Paul? Because God called me. See, I believe in titles. I believe in using titles. Because it seems as though when God launched somebody into what he created them for, he titled it. And titles only have power when God gives you the title yourself. Or when you earn the title the right way. I believe in doctors when you earn being a doctor. Not going online for $5.99 a month and getting it. When people tell me today I'm a doctor, I say, where did you earn it? Hello, somebody. That's all. Number two, Paul's name came from his first victory as a Christian. When you study when Saul went and did his first missionary journey, and Acts 13, before he was ever referred to as Paul, Saul's first convert was Sergius Paulus. Isn't it powerful that God is identifying Paul by his victories. Not only are you Paul Gentile to the Romans, you are now going to be Paul known by your very first convert. And when you people speak your name, you'll remember that your name has victory inside of it. You are not going to fail at this name. Under Paul is where you got your victory first. Hallelujah, somebody. And number three, it expresses his destiny because the word Paul means to be, excuse me, means little. And Saul means to be desired. The Apostle Paul, when he came to the Lord, Ananias was told, I will show this man how much he must suffer for my name. The destiny on Paul's life was he was going to be persecuted to spread the gospel. And the name expressed the fact that he was going to be little in the eyes of men, but great in the sight of God. And it seems the name little to us is a demotion, but it was a promotion to God. He discovered his victories. He discovered his promotion. He discovered his purpose because he was a man of prayer. Question for you this morning. What name is God calling you? What is your name to God? Now don't come here and tell me your name is, you know, Larry tomorrow. I mean, metaphorically speaking. What is God calling you? What's he called you to do? Who's he called you to be? Stand to your feet this morning. You'll find it in prayer. As, as, as we pray as a congregation, as we pray as a church, what will happen in this church, this church will become more identified with our DNA. I believe it will be, people say, what is light of today? If they ask you, what is light of today? You tell them, number one, it is a Holy Spirit-filled church. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the power and the demonstration. Number two, you tell them, it's a church where we have the love of God. And not only that, that's going to be your life as you find it in the place of prayer. Lift your hands to God. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.